The opinions and views expressed on the morning meeting do not necessarily represent the opinions and views of the management, staff, or advertisers of WTAD. That being said, the opinions expressed for the next hour are most likely correct and widely accepted amongst right-thinking people. It's time for the morning meeting with Brian Nichols and Sean Seekers. Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it is the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. It's the morning meeting with Sean Seacrease and Sands Brian Nichols. That's right, Brian says he's on vacation, but what that usually means is that he's trying to exploit some get-rich-quick scheme. I think the one he's working on today is how to pull all of the gold from the ocean uh, and then sell it for a profit. So hopefully he comes up with uh, the technology that uh, humanity has lacked for, let's face it, the entire uh, run that we've had here on Earth. Good luck to you, Brian. Coming up on the show today, plenty of Iowa to talk about. We'll be joined by Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley and by the Iowa Republican, Craig Robinson, coming up. That's going to be in uh, with Craig in just about half an hour here. We've got plenty of things to cover, including the White House Press Secretary, trying to defend a comment from a Democrat that President Obama is now irrelevant. And the uh, collective genius of The View tackles the Canadian shooting. Hopefully we get a chance to get to that audio because it presents so many issues and so many opportunities to try to get things right. Glad you can join me this morning on the morning meeting. And I am uh, proud to welcome Iowa Senior Senator Chuck Grassley back to the show this morning. Senator, good morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you very much. So are you in D.C. or are you in Iowa right now? Because you've been spotted all over supporting uh, those who are running for office uh, in uh, Iowa. In Iowa, uh, three weeks longer than normal during an election year, during October, because normally we would have adjourned uh, at the end of the second week of, of uh, October for three weeks of campaigning. But this year... Senator Reid, who runs the schedule of the United States Senate, decided to adjourn the Senate on September the 19th because he's got so many incumbent senators in trouble, he wanted them home campaigning. So I've been in Iowa since September the 19th or 20th uh, to mostly uh, campaign for candidates. Like yesterday, Independence, Iowa, I was there for a Craig Johnson Republican candidate for the state house and then to Dubuque uh, on a couple events for uh, our uh, congressional candidate, Rod Bloom, Blum, who seems to be ahead in that race for the seat that's being abandoned by Braley to run for the United States Senate, and for a Republican to do well in that district that has 23,000 more Democrats than Republicans is pretty good. And then I finished up the day yesterday for a supervisor candidate for the County Board of Supervisors, Dubuque County. So that's what I did today. Uh, tomorrow I'll be on a, a train uh, whistle-stop tour from uh, Council Bluffs to Des Moines with five stops to uh, campaign for my chief of staff, uh, David Young, who is a candidate 
for the district uh, uh, vacancy because of the retirement of Republican Congressman Latham. Now, that is a full week, and you're doing that in just a couple of days. I want to go a little bit more into depth on that uh, first district seat uh, with Rod Blum that you mentioned. Number one, it is a heavily Democratic district. And number two, you've chosen to appear on a uh, TV ad for Mr. Blum. Why did you decide to do that? And tell me a little bit about the story you talked about. He obviously uh, lost his mother, and you, you, you had a really interesting case to present there. Well, obviously, if I'm going to appear for somebody and they're paying for it, uh, I do it because they asked me to, and they thought that my popularity in Iowa would help them. But the instigation of it came from the fact that the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee felt that uh, their candidate, Pat Murphy, former Speaker of the House, was in political trouble. So they put 600 $1,000 into that race a week ago with ads, very negative ads, that uh, Rod, Rod Blum was going to do away with Social Security and Medicare. So I'm on this 30-second TV ad. Uh, starting out, it says about how uh, uh, his mother worked hard uh, as, a, as a homemaker uh, uh, out of uh, out of the home homemaker, meaning she worked for other homes to keep the family together, and then she got cancer, and uh, Rod Blum cared for her in her last years when he was a very young man. Then uh, it it says that uh, that after she passed away, obviously the last uh, two or three years were. Uh, uh, much easier because of Medicare and Social Security. And so obviously uh, Medicare and Social Security is not a policy issue with uh, Rod Blum. It's a very personal issue. And that's the way the ad ends up. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, my guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Senator, you said yourself you appeared because you were asked. Have you gotten comfortable with the wide variety of connotations that you have in Iowa. I ask people how they perceive you, and I get answers everywhere from tremendous leader to rock star to a lovable sort of grandfather figure who we know is sort of protecting us as he goes to D.C. There's this huge uh, swath of appreciative terms that get attached to you. Have you gotten comfortable over the years with with that role, I guess? Well, first of all, uh, I kind of forget about being a grandfatherly figure, even though I've got six grandchildren, or nine grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. But I suppose at age 81, I ought to think of myself that way, but I very seldom do. But I see myself as just a representative of the people doing my job. And if I come out with all these compliments that you've just expressed, it's just... uh, it's just, uh, let's say, uh, frosting on the cake. But it's not something that I uh, 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 care about. But I have to confess to you that it's music to your ears because we get so much criticism, you know. So yeah. when you get a thank you, it, it's a pleasant surprise, and I tell people I really appreciate it. Two of the things that you've been doing while you've been in D.C. doing that job Uh, This week, coming out with criticism for the Obama administration's overreach 
for the new Haitian immigration program and the alarm over the federal workers that are on leave for months at a time. I want to take those one at a time. Firstly, let's start with what you came out with uh, this week, the findings of a new report uh, documenting that tens of thousands of federal employees have been on paid leave for at least a month, and in some cases, several hundred employees on leave for up to nine months over three years, all during which time they're getting paid. Now, this is something that is we're not talking about vacation here. That's a separate issue. We're talking about administrative leave on on the payroll, on the federal tax dollar uh, payroll, sometimes to hide people who are accused of various transgressions. And this kind of overlapped with your Fast and Furious investigation. Just tell me what you found and, and really how disgruntled you are. Well, first of all, there's no law that allows this. There is some quote-unquote executive policy that makes it possible. And maybe there might be a legitimacy for some of it. But let, let me tell you, when you have 200 and some people, well, first of all, there's 56,000 people that this report uh, explained, as you just said, 56,000 people uh, costing the taxpayers $700 million. And that's only 60% of the bureaucracy, so the Government Accountability Office didn't get to 100%, so it's obviously a higher figure than that. And uh, uh, besides those 200 being on leave for one to three years, there's a high percentage of them are on leave for up to a year. And, uh, and, and the fact that there's no policy, the fact that it's used as a crutch for managers not making decisions on whether to fire somebody or discipline somebody or whatever the case might be, uh, it leads me to the fact that we need a congressional policy on this to take out the abuse of it uh, and to limit it tremendously and to make managers manage. And so I'm working on a bipartisan piece of legislation with a Democrat, John Tester, of Montana to try to uh, to get some rationale behind this because with all the different government agencies, it's probably handled in a different way with every one of them. It's been very disappointing to see these numbers come out in such a way. Uh, not only is it costing the federal taxpayer just an unprecedented amount of dollars in, in waste of, of human capital. But how much of this did you run into with your Fast and Furious investigation? Because a large part of the report that I saw said that specific members that were under investigation during that Fast and Furious investigation were put on paid leave. They're using this essentially to stonewall, and in this case to stonewall you personally in your investigation. Yeah. Well, out of the 56 or 57,000 people, probably the people that were involved with Fast and Furious are minuscule compared to the total number. But, yes, it's, it's the same crutch. It's the same attempt to, uh, uh, to uh, blindside Congress from getting information by talking to people that are on administrative leave. If they're under investigation, always uh, some department hand, uh, hiding behind the excuse of the fact that they're investigating something and they can't communicate to Congress during that period of time. And it's nothing but a stall. But uh, we've also, had, uh, in addition to Fast and Furious, uh, we've heard about these abuses 
so often uh, that uh, mostly from whistleblowers, from our investigations, but just from newspaper reports. You can't, you can't believe the number of times you read in daily newspapers, particularly the Washington Post, about some problem in some bureaucracy and so-and-so's on administrative leave. Yeah, it's become a crutch, really, in a lot of ways uh, to protect not only the, uh, well, possibly uh, disciplinary, di- disciplinary, look at me making up words, the, the worker that needs to be disciplined, but also to protect uh, the institution that uh, is responsible for him, and it's become an almost institutionalized protection. We'll see how this continues to play out. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley with me this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Senator, I want to change gears a little bit and ask you about your response to the new immigration program. You called it irresponsible overreach of the executive branch's authority. Essentially what the Obama administration uh, announced this week was that they want to quote, and these were their words, expedite family reunification of U.S. citizens uh, with lawful permanent residents who have family members in Haiti. Essentially what this is is allowing 100,000 undocumented immigrants into the country. Uh, Without a doubt. Now, the abuse of power comes from not the fact that the president is doing this, but how he's doing it with a massive number of people. It's meant to be done on a case-by-case basis. So there is some legitimacy for Congress delegating a little bit of executive power to the president because we in Congress can't know of every case coming down the road that may be exceptional. But on an individual-by-individual case, not by massive groups of people that are going to be invited to this country, uh, and that's the abuse of power, the numbers. Yeah, parole is really meant for an individual situation the way that I understand it in this situation, and he wants to extend it to 100,000 people at one time. Absolutely, and that's the abuse of power. Speaking about abuse and he And he knows it, and yeah. I don't, uh, you know, the extent to which you can stop it, we probably have to go back and rewrite legislation that's not going to stop him from doing what he's doing right now, but uh, to make sure it doesn't happen again, put more explicit language in the law of, of under what conditions the president can do parole. Senator Chuck Grassley with me this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, I want to touch on one more thing with the abuse of executive power. Uh, how concerned are you when you see President Obama trying to act unilaterally, whether it's in Iran or with uh, Islamic leaders, and try to cut uh, deals that essentially, in my mind, amounts to treaties when he doesn't have the power to do that unilaterally. If, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the U.S. is going to enter into a treaty, doesn't 60% of the Senate still have to ratify that? 67% of the Senate, two-thirds have to ratify okay. it, yes. If he is doing through an agreement what should be done through treaty, he's violating the Constitution, mm-hmm. he's usurping power, and he is uh, uh, acting in a very unconstitutional way. That seems to be the case whenever uh, he leaves the country, frankly, that it's been disappointing. Well, you would think that a, a, a guy that brags about being a constitutional law professor at the mm-hmm. University of Chicago would understand the Constitution and appreciate it more than this president does. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, my guest this morning. Senator, before I let you go, you were kind enough to give me some tips to help me get back to running before we started the show. Share some tips 
as people want to get more fit before the holidays, we've got the annual a, a run for Thanksgiving coming up here in our community. If people want to get up off the couch and start getting fit, you would suggest what? Well, first of all, you're never too old to start because I started at age 65, so I've been running for 16 uh, years. Uh, I would suggest that if you haven't run, uh, start a walk and run situation. If you're in a community and divided by blocks, uh, maybe walk a block, jog a block, walk a block, maybe do it for uh, a half mile, uh, do it that way for a few weeks and gradually just increase and then gradually quit walking and do it all by running. I think you've got a, uh, a, a new lifestyle book coming out at the end of your time uh, in Congress there, Senator. Well, I, I think that it's a darn good thing when people exercise. I think it's kept me younger. Absolutely. That's Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa with us this morning. Senator, appreciate your time. Look forward to having you on again. Yeah, but thank you very much. Goodbye. You're listening to Second Generation Survivors of the Fairness Doctrine. It's the morning meeting with Brian Nichols and Sean Seacrest on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Kind of foggy, drizzly. It's supposed to be like 70 degrees today, isn't it? All right. Hopefully I'll get out on my Chuck Grassley approved run here after the show at some point. Before the football game tonight, going to Peoria. Is the president ever not relevant? That is the question right now. Democrats in his own party are trying to run from their affiliation with him. You look at uh, Democratic representatives in Congress who have voted with the president nigh on to 97% of the time, now trying to say that they are, well, not really on board with the president. and You know, they're not going to back all his plays, and they're their own men. They're not going to just vote the way the president wants them to vote. This, of course, is all in an effort to win re-election. Uh... Senator Mark Bigich, the uh, Democratic senator from uh, Arkansas, was caught issuing the phrase, President Obama is really not relevant. Of course, he was saying that trying to get reelected uh, to a constituency that hasn't been entirely impressed with Obama's leadership. This has made the rounds to the point that uh, White House Press Secretary Josh Ernst had to defend the relevancy of a sitting president. I didn't actually, uh, I didn't see those comments. Uh, he, he certainly, again, Senator Begich is certainly titled to his opinion, but I think uh, the vast majority of Americans would agree that whoever the sitting president of the United States uh, happens to be is, uh, is uh, relevant in a lot of uh, important ways. Sure. This is the, the flip side, though, of the comment that a lot of the president's supporters, including Bill Clinton, have said, that it's not about what's two years from now, this is a six-year proposition. So. It's, it's a sentiment that exists in both a positive and a negative connotation. These are senators running for a longer term saying that, please elect me for this longer term. Does the president at least agree that there's a sentiment there? Uh, does he agree with the sentiment, rather, 
that these are people who are running for a longer term and that he's not going to be here for the entirety of it. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's a basic uh, fact of arithmetic, uh, so I would concede that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, these individuals, as the President himself has said, uh, these are individuals that have their own names on the ballot, uh, and uh, that is what voters will evaluate. And uh, the President is interested in doing everything that he can uh, to support those candidates who uh, are passionate uh, about prioritizing an agenda that benefits middle-class families, because the President believes uh, that, uh, uh, that policies that support middle-class families are in the best interest of the country. Uh, our economy grows from the middle out, so the more that we can invest and support middle-class families, the better off our economy will be. Um, and so, uh, you know, the President is passionate about that, uh, and the President will continue to passionately advocate for the election uh, of candidates who share that point of view. Quick takeaway from that, the White House Press Secretary, Josh Dernst, thinks you and I are idiots. That's my takeaway from that. How else can you explain the audacity of someone saying, well, these are senators that have to, you know, make their own peace in their districts because it's their name on the ballot, essentially saying, oh, we were never lording over them or pressuring them to get in line with the president's policy agenda and vote that way lest they be ostracized out to the cold. And then at the end of the comment, to have the audacity to say that this presidency, this administration believes that the economy grows from the middle out. I'm sorry. That's just, you have put no policy in place at any point to show that that is the conviction that you have. We've looked at at liberal cronyism throughout the way, Solyndra and other projects on down the line. That's how this White House operates. That's how they think that you grow an economy, that they think that government actually creates jobs. It is false on its face. And when you have had now a six-year run in the White House, in which you have controlled not only the White House uninterrupted, you have controlled the Senate leadership, you have controlled the agenda of this country, and you haven't put forth one policy initiative that would help the economy grow from the middle out. And you can't say that a national minimum wage raise is that policy, because by its very definition, minimum means you're talking about the bottom. That's not the middle. That's the bottom. You push that up, you're actively hurting people in the middle class, in the middle of the country. And certainly people in the middle of the country, in the middle of the economy, that middle of the economy that Ernst was referring to, they weren't helped by Solyndra or programs like that. So how can you stand there? thinking anything other than the American people who will hear this are too stupid to follow what we've been doing, and we're going to say that we've done this, but at no time have we ever acted upon what we express now as a conviction. That was, come on, come on. You you can't stand there and just tell us all that we're stupid in order to defend a president who, if we had it our way, would be irrelevant because of the damage that he has done, not only to this economy, but internationally. You now have leaders speaking in their native tongue in the Middle East, communicating with their constituents, telling them that they can no longer depend on the U.S. to shrink terrorism because Obama is the weakest president by their perception, not mine, by their perception, 
is the weakest president of their lifetime. That's what we're dealing with right now. And you have a press secretary who stood up in front of the nation and told us all, essentially, that we're idiots. Coming up, Craig Robinson joins me on the morning meeting, and uh, hopefully we'll have time to break down the absolutely precious audio of the big brains on ABC's The View tackling the Canadian shooting this week and uh, why that means we need gun control in America. It's all coming up on the morning meeting. Putting the opposition in our crosshairs since 2010. Ostracized for using that metaphor in 2011. Part of what makes us us. The morning meeting with Brian and Sean on AM 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest with you. Brian Nichols on vacation. You know what that means, right? That's my, he, That means he's trying to pioneer manned space flight to Mars. When he left last week, he was mumbling something about solid fuel booster engines and nuclear propulsion. I'm not sure. The mad scientist is at home, at work, in the laboratory as we have the morning meeting this morning here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. That gives me the opportunity to bring in a man to the show who, when I was asked... Would you think about having a guest co-host while Brian is away? His name was very close to the top of the list. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. Good morning, Craig. It's great to be with you, Sean. You know what? You know what I love about people who take vacations. I love it when they take vacation when there's tons of stuff going on. It's not like there's an election, say, in like a week, right, or anything. But you know, it's good to get rested up for the big day. I guess. Well, and that Craig actually brings up a great point. I was going to mention this in the in the final segment, but uh, Brian's going to be off vacation next week, and we'll have six shows then leading up to Election Day. And uh, next week we're going to start our ballot preview series of shows, uh, both in Illinois and in Missouri. So that'll all be coming up next week right here uh, on the morning meeting. Craig Robinson, theiowarepublican.com. Uh, Craig, it's been an interesting week, and, and uh, by the way, congratulations on being the back half of the All-Iowa shows. I had Senator Chuck Grassley on uh, just before the market break, so it's like Iowa Friday here on the morning meeting. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, things are getting interesting with uh, a number of races there. Uh, if if you want to you know, put me on hold and answer that, uh, feel, feel no, free. No, no, no. Okay. It's father-in-law, and he's not going to figure it out. <laughs> He's just got to keep on calling. Uh, it, it was interesting for me, and, and I asked Senator Grassley moments ago why he did it, and he said he did it because he was asked and he thought the candidate uh, had a had a great story. But I want to get your take on, as a uh, political expert, uh, Senator Grassley and what he did in the 1st District for Blum in appearing not only with him but now in a series of campaign ads because that's a, a pretty heavy Democratic district in Iowa, from what I understand. Well, it is. It's not the most Democratic district. It is the second most. Um, and, and But, again, this is kind of – Northeast Iowa kind of, you know, claims Grassley is there. You know, that's kind of where he's from. I don't think he's from the district, but it gets real close. And so, you know, and, and look, uh, everyone in Iowa loves Chuck Grassley. And 
I thought it was really smart for uh, for Blum to uh, to incorporate him uh, this way into his uh, into his ads, especially on an issue like Social Security and Medicare. Um, you know, this is a this is an open seat. This is a real opportunity uh, for Republicans. And and Rob Blum has run a fantastic campaign. And so to have a guy like Chuck Grassley come in and be the closer, uh, so to speak, um, great move, smart move, great issue ad. I think Republicans, if there's a, a if there's a good story in this election, I think they have finally figured out how to talk about uh, Social Security and Medicare uh, in a way that uh, you know kind of inoculates them from the, the attacks we see year in and year out that scare old people. Uh, to vote for Democrats. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with those attacks, it's essentially uh, if you vote Republican, they're going to tear down the social networks and Grandma's going to have to eat cat food. And to see someone <laughs> right. like Senator Grassley, who, as he just talked about, is 81 years old, still believing in this system and, and how it works, I have to think that is a huge boon. No, it's it's really good. I, I saw the ad the other day, and I just thought, you know, this is perfect. I mm-hmm. mean... We've seen Grassley do some ads for for Joni Ernst through the chamber, and 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 you know, and they were fine. I actually like that it tells the personal story of Rod Blum and his and his mother, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think the personal touch in po- political ads like this make a huge difference. And uh, you know, I think I think Blum's done a good job with this ad. I think Joni Ernst has done a great job on social security ads that she's running. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with me this morning on the morning meeting. You brought up Joni Ernst. Let's talk about her. She's in uh, a whale of a battle, but it looks like she is starting to pull ahead. And now she's got Mike Huckabee in there uh, campaigning for her. Well, she's got everyone in here yeah. uh, pulling the wagon in the same direction. I mean, you would think that the presidential caucuses are next week. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've covered, uh, for the website, we've covered Huckabee and Rand Paul and mm-hmm. Rick Santorum and and uh, Rick Bruce. Perry and you know and this weekend is Chris Christie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's everyone you can imagine coming in to help out Rubio's in Davenport next week. So I mean, it's a crazy time. Everyone's rallying around uh, to, to help Ernst with this race, and you know this is a this is a big deal, not just for Joni Ernst, not just for electing a, a new senator, which we haven't done in 30 years. But this is a big deal in terms of, is Iowa a blue state or a red state yeah. and, or a purple state? And, I mean, if you have two Republican United States senators, uh, boy, it's sure going to seem like a red state. And that's a, that's, a, that's a good deal for Republicans in the state. Well, and you bring up two interesting things there. Number one, who's going to take Hi. over that second position? Hello? Hey, I'm here. Sorry. Okay. I'm, what, is that a baby or is that a dog? <laughs> my uh my son is homesick, so uh he's my co pilot. <laughs> oh, I got you. Dad's holding him on the hip and doing the show this morning. All right. Yeah, Very good. Yeah, hey. he, he was told to be quiet, but at seven and a half months he sometimes doesn't listen. <laughs> he 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 doesn't listen that well yet. All right, Craig Robinson and son with us this morning uh, on the morning meeting. Uh Craig, you know, it, it looks like with with Joni Ertz bringing in all of these national powers, you mentioned it looks like a presidential caucus field. If someone, let's just uh, hypothetically say, had the political chops to cover this and own their own website uh, in which they disseminate news of this information, it, it, I would imagine it would have to be a field day for them. No, it is. It absolutely is. And 
I mean, that's the nice thing about, I mean, Iowa, we've had open congressional seats. We had incumbent versus incumbent races before. I mean, uh, people, people always ask, like, well, when is the, you know, when's the caucus going to start up? When's 2016 really start? And I told them, I go, it, it, in Iowa, it started the second the, the primary was over in 2014. Uh, because it, now you have a license for all these guys to come in and help out, uh, and gals should they choose to run. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's already, it's already going on. It's already taking place. And so, uh, it has been a fantastic year for politics in Iowa, and it's just going to continue right after the election. Uh, Chuck Todd has been crisscrossing the country trying to follow these midterm elections. He recently posted a three insights from Iowa. Uh, one of them I thought was worthless, but the other two were very interesting. And it was to the rest of the nation, even when things get contentious in Iowa, there seems to be this gentleman, gentlewoman's agreement <laughs> to try and play nice. And everybody got that memo except for one person. And we'll talk about the Steve King race a little bit later. But is that really the way that candidates have to comport themselves in the state so as not to turn voters away? No, um, I, I don't think it's a, a, a I, I don't think it's necessary. But I think that it it is something that um, I guess I kind of disagree. I mean, I think some of the ads that we've seen in this cycle have been the most negative that we've seen, especially in the Senate race, especially when you have third party groups running them, and so. But even still, I think at the end of the day, I mean, we're respectful. And I think that's kind of what, what shows through time and time again um, is that, you know, we, we might disagree, uh, you know, with, with an opponent, uh, but we're respectful. And, um, and, and the debates are civil. It's not like the, the garbage we saw in Florida you know, with a fan and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's at least, you know, we sit down, we debate. We can be cordial with each other uh, for the most part, as you mentioned. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's um, it, 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 it doesn't extend past maybe the negative TV ads. So. All right. Well, we'll see how that continues to play out. Craig Robinson with me this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Craig, another interesting analytic that came out of uh, Chuck Todd's uh, wandering through Iowa there, and because I haven't started to do any of the math or really take a look at the whole, you know, map of the country and where uh, senators may come from if it's going to change the the constitution of the U.S. Senate as far as Democrats versus Republicans. But he did make the point that if Republicans don't win in Iowa and or Colorado, then the math gets really too murky. Uh, is a mm -hmm. lot being made of that of, of Iowa's role if Republicans are going to take over leadership in the Senate. No, I think I think Iowa is a, is a pivotal role. Um, you know, I think that Cory Gardner in Colorado uh, stands a good shot at winning too. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always, I, you know, the, the odd thing is, is while you know you might be able to, I mean, Joni Ernst has basically led this primary or this uh, since the primary has led this race for the most part. It's been tied, or she's up a little on on Bruce Braley. Very few polls have showed her trailing. And so, you know, I do think she's the favorite going into election day, and that's that's a that's a big deal because no one saw that coming. Um, the other thing that people really didn't see coming is that uh, it could be very difficult for for Republicans to win the Georgia U.S. Senate seat, and um, and so if you if you if you're going to lose a Georgia Senate seat, which you've had for a long time, then uh, 
boy, uh, picking up a state like Iowa is very, very important. Well, we'll see how that shakes out as we walk right up to uh, Election Day. Uh, We mentioned that, for the most part, Iowa is a sort of cordial campaigning state. You've said there have been more negative ads this year than before, but the one man who's kind of, um, well, proved the exception to the rule has been uh, Democratic challenger Jim Maurer to uh, 4th District Congressman Steve King. Uh, This guy drew, I think, in my mind, the wrong kind of headlines for his anecdotes and his actions in the recent debate with Congressman King. This guy was just all over the place. Well, I I watched the debate last night, and um, it was really despicable. And I really, at one point, you know, and and just watching King, a guy I know really well, just kind of contain himself, you know, restrain himself from responding to all this stuff. And when he did, I thought, you know, he did it in the right way. But how, how, I mean, and this was, you know, King didn't want to debate this guy mm-hmm. because, look, this is, it's just going to be this, this kind of show. And, uh, and, you know, it, it's not a real debate. It's an opportunity for uh, his opponent to sling mud. And that's all Jim Maurer wanted to do. And it was ridiculous. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous and, and disrespectful. And, you know, look, I have disagreements with Bruce Braley, but if I was going to sit down, you know, opposite of him, I would not be a arrogant, pompous, you know what, um, just like Joni Ernst has it. It's all each debate has been respectful, and um, you know, you you can challenge your opponent without, you know, lowering yourself to a level. And I think the most despicable part of this last night was when Congressman King was answering a question about Ebola and his objection to sending troops there, because we don't know really how this is spread. Uh, we have doctors who go over there and, and have every protection imaginable so that they don't pick up this disease, and yet they still contract it, uh, you know, and then they have to come back to America, to, you know, and, which puts the public at risk. And Jim Maher said, well, you know, Steve King just doesn't understand because he's not a veteran. You know, you know, we sacrifice, we put our, you know, we put our lives, our lives on the line. And so they had this long drawn out, uh, exchange base and, and Maurer was just basically discredited him because Steve King hasn't, you know, ever served in the military. And it was really just disrespectful, I thought. Um, and, and Maurer just seemed kind of smug and, you know, just kind of like the, the little pompous kid. Uh, that comes up and, and, you know, wants to pick a fight. And, um, you know, at one point in the debate, King just looked down and he was asked to respond to some crazy thing that Maurer said. And he said, well, you know, I'm really regretting, uh, you know, my decision to participate in this debate. And has I thought that said it all because has, it really served no one any purpose. Has any poll shown Maurer even getting close? No, um, in most polls I've seen internal and, and public have been, you know, King's up 10 or 11 points. Uh, and that was when Steve King wasn't even running TV yet. So, uh, this is a, this is a safe seat. Uh, I can't believe Democrats keep pouring millions and millions of dollars, uh, to try to defeat, uh, Steve King because it's just not going to happen. Our guest this morning, the man who runs the Iowa Republican. Yes, uh, you know him as Craig Robinson. Craig, mercifully, Iowa has the week off this week. 
They'll be getting ready for the Smart Kids from Northwestern next week. That is going to be the day after Halloween. So are you expecting trick or treat from Iowa football the rest of the season? Uh, treat? <laughs> wow, I don't know. that sounds I like the really kid who wanted the chocolate bar there. and got the candy corn. That's that. Yeah, yeah Look, I, I was really discouraged by the by the uh, Maryland loss. Um, a game they were up big early and just just played really poorly. And um, you know, this this team is I think can compete with a lot of people, but it, like all Kirk Ferentz teams, they kind of rise and to the level of their opponent, and that's it. They never have a game where they just blow someone out. Yeah, I was actually. Uh, I've got one buddy that's uh, from the uh, Iowa Quad Cities uh, area. We were watching that game together, uh, having a beer last Saturday. And, uh, boy, he, he was pretty puffed up in the beginning. And, and by the time the game was over, it was the most pathetic calling for the check that I had seen well, in quite some I, time. I, I, was, I, was, I had to head out, but right before uh, I left for an event with Steve King and Donald Trump, they, uh, you know, they – they're going down to score. They can they can win this game or they can tie put the, tie this game up and they kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you needed two goal? scores at that point. To be fair, you did. You needed a two point conversion, but no, they were what? down eleven. So you you were okay. going to have to have a field goal and a touchdown at some point. So they took the field goal first. Anyway. Okay. Didn't end up working out for him. Anyway, so, yeah, by the way, it was just a horrible end of it. By the way, nice name drop as we're looking to wrap up the segment uh, on the show this morning <laughs> with Craig Robinson of the Iowa Public. And have fun with those guys, Craig, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll do. Take care. Banned in China by Hu Jintao. It's disgraceful. And in Berkeley by hippies trying to escape reality. That's despicable. The morning meeting with Brian and Sean on AM 930 WTAD. WTAD. Well, that went by a lot quicker than I anticipated. Thanks for joining me this morning on the morning meeting. Thanks again to Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, to Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. It was kind of an Iowa-themed show today. Didn't set out to be that way. The senator had to change his appearance this week, but we always welcome him and his insights here on the morning meeting. Boy, it would be great to get, you know, one of our Illinois senators to talk to us, too. Be that as it may. Brian's back from vacation next week. We'll start with a lot of the ballot issue rundown across the area. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again Monday for the best talk in the tri-state. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.